Welcome to this new episode of Book Lovers Companion. Independent author Caroline Goldsworthy joined us via FaceTime for a lively conversation about her books, her writing process and much more. Welcome to Book Lovers Companion, Caroline. Thank you for having me. You're Thank welcome. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. My name's Edith and next to me is the chattering teacup or Miss Teacup, like Vasim Khan said. Hi, guys. Hello. Let's talk about you being at Crimefest, you being a writer and how it all started. What can you tell our listeners about your background? I'm one of those avid readers who always thought they could write a novel, but it took me quite some time to find my story. And I moved to a place called Ipswich in the southeast of England in 2006. And just before Christmas, a series of murders took place. I was out walking my Doberman dog one morning and the man said to me, you know, you're the first woman I've seen out on her own for quite some time. And I thought, well, you know, it's daylight. I'm far away from the town. I'm far away from where it's all happening. And I carried on walking. I mean, I had a Doberman. I was going to be fine. Got down to the end of this piece of open ground and suddenly realized that, um, that that is where the police were. And they were starting a line search over the other side of the fence because the last two girls had been found. And it suddenly brought it very, very very close to home. That's how I had my story. That's how I, I had my first novel. And it took me an awfully long time to write because there was an awful lot of not writing. Yeah, and you said, oh, you stayed on your website that also the case of the Yorkshire Ripper took place when you were a teenager. I was born in 63. So I was about 12, 13, coming up to being in, in my late teens when Peter Sutcliffe was active. Um, one of the things that I've really particularly noticed about how the The difference in the way they were reported, the, the two the two cases, and it was the very much a difference in the way that the women were treated in the press from the 1970s to, to 2006. And there was a, a whole campaign in 2006 about, you know, these young women were somebody's daughter. And, and that was a very, very different attitude to, to the 1970s, where it was basically considered to be an occupational hazard. But didn't Sutcliffe also happen to murder? young women who weren't prostitutes and that was the point where all, all the attitude yeah. changed suddenly. Yes, yes. Um, it was when he, he murdered a, a student and I remember at the time she was referred to as the first innocent victim. As if the others weren't, yeah. It's a huge change in, in attitude. It, it, re it really is. Yeah, I can imagine that. But it gave me the idea for the story and it gave me some backstory and, and possibly even, you know, maybe in the future a novella for the young Ronnie Carlson mm -hmm. working on that case. I've watched a documentary only, re only recently, the preparation for our conversation. Mm -hmm. The funny thing at the end was that the Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher, was seriously considering going to take over the investigation because it wasn't moving anywhere. So they had to hold her no. back from, from going there and taking <laughs> over the, the whole investigation. Well, I found it funny. Our current Prime Minister is considering running the NHS. I'm also wondering, since you stated on your web page so these were the most important influences for you to write your first book mm -hmm. yes and yeah. I, it really gave me the idea that yeah. I, I'd been looking for and how long did it take you to write the books I started writing around about 2009 and I published it in 2018 as I say there were long periods where I wasn't writing anything at all and long periods where I thought why on earth am I doing this I didn't feel that you know I, I had any capability 
capabilities or ability as a writer. And I went on a crime writing and forensics course run by Arvin, met loads of other people, and then suddenly realised that actually I had got something. Mm -hmm. And that was in 2017. In November 2017, I did NaNoWriMo, the National Mm -hmm. Novel Writing Month, and I I finished it. You know, I, I actually got to type the end. Um, so the things you say about uh, the forensics, forensics in the book, so they're based mm-hmm. on facts. So it's a real way they're they're doing things. Yes, I yes. find it very interesting to read how they, for example, prepare the way to the body and so on. I've never mm-hmm. heard or read that before. Yeah, I, I did do quite a lot of research. I have had people read it through. I also use a an ex detective from the Metropolitan Police who who worked in homicide, so he reads it through. There are some things around the autopsy that could have been done better, but it's and it's not a manual. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> It's more than you read in most books. Oh, right. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Perhaps a little too graphic, maybe. For some of us. For her, <laughs> for her certainly. She's more the cozy one. The cozy one of us. Not only. I, not I, only. I've tried writing. I'm not so easily things. spooked, so never mind. If it fits, it fits. Yeah. If, mm. if, if at a certain point in your novel a gruesome scene fits, why not put it in there? Yeah, I mean, there, there are some, some scenes in Tangent which are, are quite gruesome. And, and the same in, in Recompense. I have written a, um, a historical murder mystery and there's no, there's no gruesome bits in that at all, apart from the battle scene. And how did that come about from contemporary times? to move to 625 AD? <laughs> yes, so um, I live about 10 or 12 miles from a place where there was a ship burial, an Anglo-Saxon ship burial. It's assumed that the person was King Redwald. There's still some discussion going on about whether it was him or not. And standing on the mound, the guide was talking about the funeral cortege and what it would have looked like, etc. And he described it so well, it was as if this young woman was walking towards me and I could see and I, I made it into a short story, was told, no, this this needs to be a novel, this needs to be a novel. So, yeah, that took an awful lot of research. It took me over a year to write. So, and and there, there wasn't a lot of lag on that one. It, it was a lot of work. A lot of research. A lot of research, yeah. And it's also an interesting cover. Yeah, I, um, I had an American designer do that. Her name's Jenny Quinn, or Quinlan, I think. And she's from the Historical Book Society in America. I just found her on the web. And, and beautiful, beautiful covers. Yeah, indeed. Also, also your contemporary novels have interesting covers, fitting covers, I'd say. Yes, yes. The the first one, Tangent, I wanted, I mean, I had a designer pull together some images, but none of them were what I wanted. And I spent hours and hours on image sites looking at pictures of prostitutes. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> what you do? <laughs> yeah. There was one particular image I had seen mm-hmm. uh, and I finally found it on the Press Association website and so I had to trade the Press Association a light for the, the license for using it but because it's a real person and it was taken in Bradford I think in 1996 but because it's a real person it has all of that vulnerability yep. that I wanted and that slight fear so it was the image that I'd wanted all, all the way through and then the new one yeah yeah the new one I saw you unpacking shiploads <laughs> of your new one on Twitter the other day, yes. 
Yes. Yeah. It also looks quite so good. I'm very excited by that. Um, a very talented designer called Stuart Bache from Books Covered. He did that one for me. I'm really excited by that. So, yeah, a lot of research in that one as well. Well, it starts off with the murder and then, then it alternates between the detective story and the story of oh, a young woman called Melissa Warren who's attacked and raped in, in Pamplona. And that was inspired by the by the very publicised rape um, that took place around the time of the ball run. And I was a bit nervous about using it, but when I started doing some research, what I discovered was that that instance was well publicised. It, it wasn't it wasn't an incident on its own, but apparently it happens quite a lot. And I knew I knew the area, so I started off with with some ideas about you know who the men might have been. But then in the end, I I, I made them I made them all all British, and I made them come from the town that I I call Gippingford because there are things that I like to change around the town, so I can't I can't call it Ipswich but one of the rivers here is called the Gipping so it's okay. Gippingford. <laughs> I wonder about how much of the real crime murders in Ipswich are in the book how much is uh, based on the truth? In recompense not a lot that is in entirely fiction. In tangent some of the means some of the places that the bodies was discovered are real but I do have an awful lot of people walking dogs finding bodies. I, I've never found a body. The English countryside is a dangerous place to be. I've never found a, bo a body walking a dog, but um, yeah. Well, you have something to do for the future. <laughs> well, indeed, yeah, yeah, in indeed. And obviously, um, the the reporter in Tangent, her dog's a Doberman as well. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and your detective. Mm -hmm. What about him? What about his character? Ronnie. Yeah. What can you tell oh, us about well, him? Well, I, I, I love Ronnie. I am absolutely, completely and utterly besotted with Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish he was real and not married. <laughs> <laughs> But he's, I mean, yes, he's hes sort of like he's old and he's tired and he's seen it all before. But throughout all of that, he seems to have maintained some of his humanity. And that's one of the things that I really like about him, that he has maintained a, a level of not so much detachment, but he's, you know, he's, he still loves his wife. Every detective you ever read is, you know, is, is a complete maverick. They're an alcoholic. <laughs> they're divorced. And I didn't want Ronnie to be like that. I didn't want him to be sort of detective Barnaby either, but I wanted him to. I wanted him to have the background. But at the same time, he needed a character arc. He needed. He needed something sad in his life, and and something to sort of bring him through that first book. And I, I chose a family suicide because that's something that I had experience of. And as I say, write what you know. Interesting that you said. Uh, every every other detective seems to be a mess. That's what Wasim Khan said about his Inspector Chopra. Mm. She also said mm. uh, there are lots of detectives in books which are completely gone off the rails. They are, mm. like you said, alcoholics, divorced and are on their, I don't know, eighth, tenth relationship and whatnot. But he wanted mm -hmm. someone who has a stable background. Yeah. And that's also something interesting because it hasn't, it doesn't have to be that way, a complete mess. It's, it's also for me as a reader when I read a book a highly acclaimed novel and interesting character and like you said oh no not again another alcoholic who's messed up mm. his marriage and his uh, relationships and can't get anything straight so how is he supposed to get his work straight if he can't exactly get his private life straight mm. because you have to have something to fall back on I would think at mm -hmm. some point people expected detectives to be like that maybe, maybe this view have ch has changed I don't know mm. I don't see how 
if if you're as you said if your private life is a complete mess how can you then be effective at work i know i know that i can't i I used to be a project manager and if my life was a mess i'd have to really compartmentalize so that i could um i could do my day job now there have been times when my life has been a mess and i've still managed to do the day job but it's it's hard and you really do have to draw that line but yeah the whole idea of someone as a functioning alcoholic being effective um detective i I can't i just can't see that although i do admit that ronnie does drink probably a little too much yeah okay but not like you said a alcoholic who falls into a bottle every day after work Mm -hmm. he couldn't cope because i I, suppose i don't think he could because i suppose when you get a call at say midnight and you've fallen into a bottle who are they going to wake up the drunk a drunk yeah yeah so it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also found it interesting about in the middle of the book, the first book, to find out there's a second mystery in the book. But I didn't mm-hmm. expect. So that's mysteries of his daughter's death or why yes. it happened. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Two for the yeah. price of one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was probably just a bit of padding because I needed some extra work. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was a way of it was a way of bringing his his daughter in mm-hmm. and starting to develop her character for what she may do in the future and you know in in recompense she's moving on with with her life um i started off with it being that she and tim had split up and then i thought well no why have you done that why have you done that don't make relationships like yours so i've actually kept them together and aspen is going on in 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 her own journey and it may be that you know there are there are a series of books later on with um, Aspen Carlson as the detective. You don't know. So a spin-off in the making. A spin-off in the making. Yeah, I'm certainly thinking about it. Good to know. There's more to come. (laughs) (laughs) Always good to know. So you said, I think you said, you already mentioned that, and it's also on your webpage that you also were shortlisted for the Selfies Award for your first book, Tangent. For my debut novel, I was was shortlisted for the Selfies Award. So I I had a, a ticket to go to the London Book Fair, mm-hmm. which I think is probably the biggest event I've ever been to. Mm. I've been to a few Iron Man events, but I, I think the London Book Fair was even bigger than um, Iron Man UK. So um, yeah, it was it was great. Sadly, I didn't win, but um, the book that did win is very good, and the book that came second was very good as well. So um, it was it was nice. I've met lots of other writers. I you know I keep in touch with a couple of the other shortlistees that I met there. So it's great. It's it's nice to sort of grow your author friendship group and exchange notes probably yes yes one of the other shortlistees helen kist or helene She's written a book called um, Stay Mad, Sweetheart, and I haven't read it yet. And I was waiting until I'd published Recompense before I, I read it. So, you know, that's going to be on my list of things to do for the weekend. Oh, the, list, the do list, the to read list is growing by the oh, hour. Oh, don't. I'm, I'm convinced that if I was to stack up my to be read pile, it, I, it would fall down and I'd be buried under all of these Definitely. books. Definitely. <laughs> I can only agree with that. It was um, the Selfies Award. You you are a self-publishing mm-hmm. author. Was this a conscious decision on your part? Yes. Yes, it, it was. I, I mean, I did send about 20 agents. But at the time, I was meeting lots of authors who were saying that they didn't like the cover. They didn't like how they'd been made to change the story, etc., etc. And then I met a, a guy called Ian Hooper 
who runs a company that helps people self-publish. So he, you know, he, he uh, sorts out the, the cover, the editor, all the formatting, and or he just takes all of that off you. And at the time, I was, I was suffering quite badly with my mental health, so it, it worked well for me. He just took all of that off me, and within about six weeks, I ended up with a published novel. Uh, but I'd, I'd met him in the April, and in, in December, my book was published. It seems like a middle way between completely self-publishing and mm. uh, with a publisher. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. The, I think it's a, sort of a, a self-publishing service. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he, he has guidelines that he works to. He's also one of the services that's recommended by the Alliance of Independent Authors as well. So, you know, very, very reputable company. They're called the Book Reality Experience because he wouldn't forgive me if I didn't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> I've looked it up, and but I didn't I didn't go any further. Mm -hmm. I might look it up again to find out yeah. a bit more about it. Well, he's he's an Irishman now living in um, in Perth in Western Australia, mm -hmm. long way from home. I think it's Perth. And what about the publicity? The does the company also help you with promotion? They can do, yeah, they they can do. But I didn't I didn't go for that option. And obvi obviously, as a, as an independent author, you know, you're you're part of a team. The the second two books that I've, I've published I've done independently but I still have cover artists I still have an editor I still have um, people who proofread etc so it's, a, it's very much a team effort and I'm, I'm learning to market I, I carry bookmarks around in my purse with me all the time because you know I, I, I talk to people and they go well what do you do and I go well this and I hand them a bookmark <laughs> and it does help with the, the word of mouth yeah, of course. coverage and sometimes I'll find I'm talking to one person and I can see somebody is sort of you know is 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 having a listen as well so I I, I talk to I talk to them but I, I advertise quite a bit on Amazon as well so that I mean that helps I've, I've just had a good month for sales but yeah I, and I use you know, the experience of other self-published writers I belong to groups on Facebook mm -hmm. so I get a lot of support and a lot of guidance and help yeah. from other writers in the 20 to 50k 20 books to 50k group in the self-publishing form group and and from book connectors as well so and going to events also helps i presume attending crime fest yeah helped in the past i had a place on the on a panel at crime fest this year this I was, year i was going to be on this year I you would have been pretty oh god I, yeah I, i would have been on the indie alternative panel oh. so i'm absolutely gutted yeah I can imagine that. So, yeah, that's that's a shame, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so hopefully next year you'll be on a panel. Well, I, I don't know. I can apply. It depends on how many more books I have out by then. But Zoe Sharp, who runs that panel, she's going to be doing, she's going to be reading the four books from the authors that would have been on the panel and be doing a review of them as of them on her website. So and all is not lost, but it would have been nice. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And since you mentioned that the idea of doing a sort of, Of online panel via Zoom. Has there been any ideas? Mm -hmm. Do you know anything about that? I haven't heard any anything about that. No. Yeah. Uh, just just an idea that popped up in my head. What what you could do also to support, yeah. for example, Crime Fest to do an online panel. Or... Yeah, there are, there are a lot of lots of different options, and the, and the technology such as you know um, apps such as Zoom give us you know great opportunities to to do things, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
It's amazing. If, if you think about, you know, when we were, when we had lockdown from Spanish flu in the times of the First World War, you know, we didn't have anything like this. You were reliant on the post, you were reliant on letters, you know, even telephones weren't widespread. So, yeah, true. Now the world yeah. is open to you from your living room. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'm sitting in a bedroom, <laughs> <laughs> but it's my office. It has to be somewhere comfy. We're in the kitchen. Oh, definitely. Not, not far from the yeah. coffee. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's always good that's idea. always good yeah so we can mm -hmm. have our cup of coffee and chocolate <laughs> yep so i was also wondering caroline you also mentioned that you attended university later in life in your 30s yes and i wonder in my 30s, yes. yeah and i was wondering if you would say this was an advantage or disadvantage it was interesting because i'd been working at the university as um in a, in a sort of administrative post and one of the things that i was asked was how can we make it easier for our first year students because they're always so overwhelmed when they come to university and I had to be honest that I, even I found it overwhelming and yet I knew the university I knew my way around I knew lots of the staff I knew the security guards you know I knew people in the um, in the photocopying shop etc and even I found it overwhelming those those first few months so I think it's just a, a process to go through but it was it was good going late I I was on a course where a lot of the students were middle students. I think, yeah, there was there was probably two or three people of, of my age, some people in their in their early twenties, mid twenties. But yeah, there were lots of people who were technically a mature student. And it was a, it was a good course to do. Although, of course, I've gotten all of my Spanish now. No, we brush it up. Yeah. Well, indeed, I, I discovered in Pamplona last year that I'm now my Spanish is now a level where I can just get myself into a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you can't work on it in real life now you have to do it online again mm -hmm. unfortunately yes. but yes. you said you also said you you relocated what happened in spain to the uk in your second book in recompense didn't you yes Why? so it starts it starts off in in Pamplona because i wanted to bring in that whole attack around the bull run and you know how, how Pamplona the, the population grows about three times apparently during the time of the bull run but I wanted to bring it back because I needed to bring it back to Gippingford for Ronnie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. However, the, the the young woman, I kept her in Bristol because Bristol's just somewhere I know a bit better as, as you guys do. Uh, so uh, I, um, after Crime Fest last year, I went to a little place that I found called Nunny. No, I went to I went to Froome. That was it. And I went into the into the tourist information office, and I told them what I was doing, and I, I you know, and just got some background. And it got to the stage where the young woman in the tourist information office was talking about Melissa Warren as if she was a real person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? And, and you're saying, well, you know, she could have gone to this school, she could have gone to that one, and things like that. And you know, so and she says, oh, I'm talking about as if she's real, and but if she's not real to me. She's never going to be real to anybody else. And so my characters, I do, I do think they're real. They come and visit. They come and, and sit by me and tell me their stories. And I know that makes me sound completely bonkers. No, 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 no. It no, sounds no. like an author. Yes, you sound like an author, definitely. <laughs> because sometimes mm. I've talked about it with other authors. They develop 
their own ideas. Yeah. They want to go this way, but then you find out they want to go the other way. Yeah. And you have um, to follow. That happened, yeah, that happened to me in, in Tangent, where Dave Bradwell had the very simple job of getting rid of the clothes for, for Bernie. And, 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 you know, you're going through Dave's head and he's sort of, you know, what is he up to? What is he up to? And then it was, I'm typing along and then I've, I've just typed, good job, I held on to them. And it's like, hang on, I thought we said you were going to do <laughs> And it, and and it, it it wasn't. There's there's just that point. You you became it's almost quite zen that you're typing and there's a voice in your head and you're just typing what the voice says. So the characters help along the story. Yeah. So he um Dave Dave had a much longer story, but he did come to an unfortunate end. The way he was murdered was was um that wasn't fiction. That is something that actually happened. Some some guys were murdered like that. I think they were called referred to as the Essex Boys. So it's just something that I found when I was searching around on online you know despicable ways to kill people just be careful just be careful with your online search yeah. oh i'm convinced i'm on a list somewhere <laughs> several probably i'm sure i'm on the mi5 watch list <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe who knows mm -hmm. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was also wondering how would you describe your creative process as a writer oh I start off with an idea and I'm very fond of mind maps mm -hmm. so I'll start off with an idea for example the name of the book the name of a character and then just ideas as they come to me and it might be something that I've got sitting on the desk and I, I come back to it day after day but I, I, I do tend to start off a lot of my work as a mind map so that I can because it's easier than linear notes where mm -hmm. if you have an idea that you want to go back to mm -hmm. you've then got to squeeze it into a line with, with the mind map it, it doesn't matter you just have another little spur coming off of that central idea mm -hmm. or off of a um, you know one of the sub ideas or something like that then once I've got that together I do start sort of putting things on on record notes uh, you know record cards mm -hmm. I'm trying to do that more in Scrivener but actually I do find it's It's the pen and paper method works works quite well for me. And it's almost as if I can get in touch with my subconscious better by having a pen in my hand. It's interesting. Mm. I can relate to that I think because we, we, I'm the paper and pen type as well. I do yeah. like programs, like you said, Scrivener and such. But in yeah. the end, I prefer cards or mm. sheets of paper yeah. where I can write down ideas and, mm. and, and notes. Yeah, I mean, I prefer writing down on paper my, my notes, but uh, I'm not an author. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like the record cards in that you can move ideas around, you can move scenes around, etc. And if something doesn't work in one place, then you move it somewhere else. Does it work there or does it just not work in this book? And if it doesn't work in this book, you can just put it to one side and it may come back in something else. Nothing is ever wasted. I wonder if it is like a puzzle. You, If you have a piece, you try, does it fit here or there? Or it's, like it's exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. And and I like puzzles. I've always liked puzzles. And that's why I, you know, I've, I've created my own publishing company. And that's why I called it Gordian Knot, because I love the Gordian Knot style. I, I, lo I love that, that, that image. So, and it's... So it's a puzzle in itself so it's a good in not publishing <laughs> I've also wondered how or where you start with your novel 
Uh, what I mean is, I've been talking to Jane Alden. Mm -hmm. She's published two romance novels. Mm -hmm. And currently, she's writing her third book, which is a mystery. Mm -hmm. And she realized for herself that she had to start actually at the end, at All the right. solution. Yeah. And mm -hmm. she has to work backwards. Yeah. Is that what you do as well? Or do, do you do it the other way around? I think I'm still developing my process. With Tangent, obviously it's crime fiction, so the bad guy has to be caught. So I knew that that would happen. And, and the same with Recompense. I'm writing the third DCR Carlson at the moment. I'm about halfway through it. And it wasn't until probably about a third of the way through that I discovered who the murderer was. So <laughs> yes, I know at the end they got to be caught but at that stage I didn't know who the murderer was. Now at the moment I'm doing through the self-publishing formula I'm doing the course on writing a bestseller we're looking at it from a different point of view so I'm now writing a psychological thriller and I know how it ends because that's part of what we've been taught on the course is actually know where you're aiming for so it's helping develop my process hopefully it'll make me a more efficient and, and faster writer but you know, we started off looking what will your cover look like, what's your title, what's your tag Line, what's your premise? So, you know, so often I've started with a premise and started planning it out, but I end up with, I get to the sort of the middle, you know, I've written, you know, it's about a third, two thirds in, and then it's all gone very soggy and, and, I, and I don't know what's going on. And I, I, I find that quite tricky. But with this one, you know, we've picked out seven points following the hero's journey kind of thing. So I've written a scene for each one of those seven points. So I've, I've got an idea of where the novel's going. Now, I'm actually really excited about uh, getting to write this one. I think it's going to be good. <laughs> we are looking like to forward think so to anyway. Yeah, we are looking, <laughs> really forward, looking forward, to forward to it. I mean, the character, she's forming in my mind already. So, you know, she's she's becoming she's becoming very real for me. She's looking over your shoulder already. Yes, yes, yes. And the scary husband. Oh, okay. <laughs> scary husband. <Ooh>. <laughs> and how would you how would you describe the process of putting all the loose ends together, which can also be taunting, can it not for a crime writer? It can, but as an ex project manager, <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, <laughs> found it. A, it's a very transferable skill. I've, I found you know bringing those those threads together has has been it is daunting, and you do think originally initially that oh crikey, I can't do this, I can't do this. I started writing um, Tangent flying by the seat of my pants. I really did. And it wasn't until I had a dead body lying around for 11 days, I think it was, that I realized that actually I did need to do a timeline and, and plan this out properly. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's what I did. So we, we, I sat down and I had a proper uh, project plan and, um, and, and worked out when she disappeared, when she was found and what was happening in the meantime. Do you have something like a checklist uh, where I say, okay, done that, done that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it can. It, it, it can. I'm, I haven't got one to hand, but yes, it can get quite uh, quite technical. Yeah, but I think it's an efficient way to to try to finish everything. Mm. What else I do is with with Scrivener, you can export all of your record cards, and I tend to put all of that into into a spreadsheet so that I know for that chapter I've got this scene, this scene, and this scene, and I color code it. So if I'm if I still need to write that scene, then it goes into a sort of a salmon pink color. It's quite a group 
gruesome colour, actually. Uh, it just <laughs> encourages me. Well, when I'm faced with a page full of those, I know I've got a lot of work to do. But it just helps me know where, where everything sits together. So I've got an overview of the book, but it also then shows me where, you know, where I've got work to do, where something's missing or, you know, this bit is happening too quickly. You need to slow the pace down here, etc. If I'd known that writing a book was this hard, I would never have started in the first place. <laughs> I don't believe that. I don't really believe that. <laughs> You continue, so it must be in some way fun. Oh, I, I, I love it. I, I love finding out new things. I really, really do. So I really enjoy the research for Sinove. You know, I found out all about witchcraft and poisons. I, I went up to, I went up to Bambra where Lindisfarne is. My friend who is an archaeologist, he took me across to Lindisfarne. So now that priory wasn't founded until 10 years after Sinove took, takes place. But because she was from there, it was just great to sit on the on the walls there and smell smell the fresh sea air and smell the seaweed on there and so I you know I've been able to bring all of that imagery into that book just by sitting there on a wall in the sunshine sniffing the air <laughs> It does make me sound quite odd. No, it doesn't. I, no, it doesn't because I love history and I've studied history. I know exactly what you mean. Mm -hmm. That's what you do when you go there. Yeah. You touch the past. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and certainly when I was standing on the mound, that young woman walked towards me. I, I could see her. Right. Uh, I wanted to say that uh, you need some quiet because if you're I don't know, at some tourist site and there are a lot of people, it's very hard to connect with mm. the past. If, it's, if there are yes. hardly any people, it's, it's easy. Yeah, it, it was busy, but in the priory itself, it, it seemed quite quiet. And I, I just I just sat there and, and closed my eyes and listened to the seagulls. And, and everything sort of seemed to, to sort of fade away, apart from the smell of the seaweed. <laughs> but it also helps to get an impression. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The sound of the waves and the wind yeah. doesn't, doesn't change. change. Yeah, but it doesn't change, does it? No, no it's, it's, it's timeless. And you get a better feel of the time, maybe. A feel. That's all we can get. I mean, yeah. we still look at the past with our present eyes, mm. and I think it's it's quite difficult and to get to, to get the spirit of the time. Yeah, I, I um, obviously I visited Sutton Hoo several times at different times of the day. Went there for a, a nighttime visit as well. But there's a battle scene in the in the book as well, and that Battle of the River Idol, which took place in 616 something like that. So I went to where one archaeologist thinks it took place. So I, I parked up and I. I sneaked down so that I could um, sit by the river. And it was one of those ones where the river is supposed to have turned red with blood. And I think that happens a lot in battles. But it was interesting to sit there and, and just watch this river flow past. And it flowed so slowly that you could imagine that it being thick and red. So, you know, that's that's just something else I was I was able to, to, to bring into the story as well. To create the atmosphere for your readers. Mm, yes. Yeah, one of my readers says that the, the character were forming in her, in her head as, as she was reading it so you know it's good feedback to get it's very nice <laughs> you have to yeah you have to get <laughs> it's, it's, you know, yes <laughs> absolutely because you have to get it right I often talk about it with my mm. German co-host and we're also avid readers and a book has mm. to take us through a door and into the past for example or into the future mm. and you have to walk through the door and you can get to another country 
history to another time. And that's what makes mm, a yep. good book. Mm. The story draws you well, in. Well, there's a saying, sorry? The story draws, draws you in. Yeah, there's a saying, isn't there, that somebody who doesn't read lives only one life, but a reader lives thousands of lives, thousands of different lives. And it does. It, it, I, I mean, I, I, I read a lot when I was younger, just as pure escapism, just sort of took me out of, out of the world that I was in. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I can't get people who, who don't read at all. No. Because it's such a joy to walk, to open a book and meet new people and go mm. to, I don't know, Scotland or go to the moon or Mars or wherever, yeah, or on yeah, a starship. Exactly. Mm. That's what but we like. people who don't read, they still have escape in, in through other media, don't they? They watch television or they, they engage in, um, in online games and things like that. So it's not as if, they, I, I think we all need that escapism. Yeah. And probably especially at the moment. Yeah, true. Yeah, um, I, I was also wondering if you you do have a role model as a writer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Val McDermott. <laughs> <laughs> I love Val McDermott. <laughs> <laughs> she writes so beautifully. I, I really do. I really do enjoy her work. But I've been reading a lot of other work recently, sort of preparing to write a, uh, a domestic psychological thriller. So I'm currently listening to Behind Closed Doors by B.A. Paris. And that's really, really good. I'm really enjoying that at the moment. I've read some others which I haven't enjoyed quite so much. There's one that I've just finished reading and it was like, yep, I know how this is going to end. Can she not see that her marriage is being reflected completely in this um, murder case she's doing? And it was, it, I just got to the end, like, well, yeah, I knew that. And it was just a, a disappointment. So, but other people have really enjoyed the book and, and said it's wonderful. So I don't know if I'm looking at it from a different point of view. No, I think two people can read the same book and have a completely different opinion. It happens. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, the, you know, the same book isn't, isn't the same for everybody. Everybody's going to have a different view of it. So. Mm. And do you have anything from her books or any of her books or series? She writes more than one series, actually. The Carol Jordan and Tony Hill series oh, is your favorite? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that is, yeah. Well, I, I quite like Robson Green, who um, plays O'Neill. <laughs> I've liked him for a lot of years. <laughs> <laughs> That's my guilty secret. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I like that character. I love Hermione Norris as, as she plays um, Carol Jordan. The Carol Jordan in the book is likely, is probably slightly more bitter than the way Hermione Norris plays her. But yeah, they're, they're the characters I, I really enjoy. I haven't started reading the Karen Peary ones yet, but yeah, but obviously the next... Neither have I. Mm -hmm. I've, I've read some of her early work where the protagonist is a journalist. Yes, Kate, Kate. Somebody Gordon. Gordon, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah. I've read them as well. The yeah, first yeah. Name. I think Kate. I don't mm -hmm. know. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I thought they were quite good as well. I enjoyed them as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But that very much from her personal experience, isn't it? So, yeah. And any other authors you personally enjoy reading? I can't think of anybody that I'm sort of reading lots of at the moment. Obviously, I, I had um, an early tussle with that with Agatha Christie. Um, my 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 aunt left to get married and there was a whole a really long bookshelf in her room and it was just pretty much every Agatha Christie that had ever been written and aged about 12, 13 I just started working my way through them um, yeah probably a bit too early but <laughs> <laughs> nobody ever seemed to worry what I was reading <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Agatha Christie is one one of the golden era authors mm. who is also well known yes. in the German speaking world. The others aren't that well known, which is actually, mm-hmm. I think it's sad mm-hmm. because in the English speaking mm-hmm. world, or at least in the UK, everybody knows Dorothy L. Sayers and they mm. know Josephine Tay. Yeah. But in our German speaking world, Agatha Christie is the one who has the most readers, I would say. Every, I think I have the impression that everybody knows her by name, but not so many mm. people have actually read her as in say Britain yeah. I don't know why which is, is sad really you'd think her grandsons would um, get them translated but um, I think they've been translated into lots of different languages anyway haven't they they have yeah. I think one of the reasons why Agatha Christie has been read so much in our country or in Germany are the films with Margaret Rutherford although Agatha Christie herself <laughs> wasn't so happy about them they were perfect no. promotion for her <laughs> no. books I would say yeah definitely yeah I, I don't I don't think Margaret Rutherford really played Miss Marple as she was meant to be. No, she didn't. She probably didn't. No. <laughs> True. The films were fun to watch, even yeah. if they're not uh, mm. thinking to oh, the yes, books. Yeah, yes. Something different. Yeah, yeah. Or is it the 445 from Paddington where she's out crashing around um, in the undergrowth with a golf, yeah. with a golf club? Yeah, <laughs> which is hilarious, actually. <laughs> yeah. But that I mm. think that made all these films made Agatha Christie even more popular in Germany mm. and in Austria mm-hmm. to the non-readers. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. Because you can well, I mean, you can watch them every amazing. now and again. Sorry. Yeah, but it's amazing how many times the same novel has been made into made into a film mm-hmm. uh, or made into the you know the TV series. Yeah, you know, Death on the Nile has been done a few times, hasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. But it's also interesting to if it happens over a longer period of time to see the differences in. The, the films mm-hmm. and how it's the book is interpreted mm. yeah well you're always seeing it as the director has interpreted the book not necessarily the way that you would have interpreted it so yeah that's you, you're sort of still getting somebody else's point of view in there and obviously the actors how they portray the character and you know I, I always think David Suchet you can tell he knew the character well you, even even the way he walked because one of the things that she makes clear about her is that his shoes are always too tight and the way that Dave Suchet walks it looks as if the shoes are too tight you know he really does portray the character very well he's my perfect Poirot to be honest mm-hmm. yeah yeah he, he really he just captured the part didn't he yeah absolutely he, he really did capture the character completely oh, and I can't remember the lady who played oh Joan somebody can't think can't think what she was called um, who played Joan Marple Joan Hickson yes yes now one of my one of my friends who sadly died, he knew Joan Hickson when she was growing up in Wivenhoe. Oh. He said she was a very strict and fierce lady. <laughs> <laughs> But I also thought she portrayed Miss Marple very well. I, I thought so as well. I, I thought she, she did it beautifully. You know, I, I get quite frustrated seeing actresses playing Jane Marple and they can't knit. <laughs> <laughs> but the director has insisted that knitting will be in this scene and they're sticking the needle in and then bringing the wool around like that. Whereas, you know, Jane Marple knew how to knit. <laughs> At least you should know how it is done correctly. <laughs> I fully agree I think with they'd you. be much better off having her just winding some wool up. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, completely. I completely agree with you. And would you like to see your novels on the screen? Oh, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I haven't quite worked out who is going to play Ronnie, but there's like a, a couple of actors that I've seen who would work as Bedpool. <laughs> He's my detective sergeant. And I've seen a couple of actors that I, th- I think would, would fit into that role quite nicely. Although a friend of mine who's a, a chef called Brian Powler, he says that Paul is, is based on him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got to the stage where actually Paul probably is based on him. <laughs> Uh, Paul is um, uh, Ben. Paul is is, is starting to uh, do, do some cooking now to, to impress Kirsty Russell. And you know, Brian did teach me how to make the beige and fish cake that, that Paul makes in 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 the book. I, I I have a feeling that Ben and Brian might be doing a cookery book at some point together. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a corpse will pop up somewhere, and you've got a crime. Yeah, <laughs> Brian. I, I'm sure Brian will be open to the idea. <laughs> I need your kitchen for a little bit. Yeah, and well, as he as he points out, the in, even the initials are the same, so there's possibly something that happened there. I can't remember when I met Brian, so I might have started writing Ben Paul before I met him. <laughs> Don't tell him that. <laughs> no, better not. Well, he won't watch this, will he? <laughs> ah, well, who knows? And do you have do you have any questions for us? Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Sorry, we <laughs> <laughs> like an interview. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. We call it a talk a conversation a nice chat over tea coffee and mm-hmm. no cake but where's my coffee no cake today yeah <laughs> your coffee yeah, I is haven't got free. cake either and we enjoyed cake it would have been nice we enjoyed it a great deal actually Caroline and mm-hmm. we hope we'll meet again next year at Crime Fest next year yes Crime Fest next year it's a date ladies yeah good let's to see hope you again. so fingers <laughs> fingers crossed alright and we fingers can <laughs> yes definitely And it would be fun to have another talk, another conversation mm-hmm. at Crime Fest, a live one. Yeah, at the yeah. Bar. in the bar. In the bar or a coffee, <laughs> tea, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> would, would be nice, would be nice, actually. Mm-hmm. Thank you for our chat, Caroline. Well, thank you very much indeed. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Fun. It was a pleasure talking to you. It was fun mm-hmm. talking to you. Yes, I didn't realize it was going to be you guys. <laughs> <laughs> surprise. Yes, surprise. Surprise indeed. <laughs> It was definitely I know those faces. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been lovely to talk to you both. Lovely to see you again. Yes, it was lovely to see you again as well. Yes, next year. Next year, hopefully in in real life. Yeah, and let me just tell you that I enjoy reading your book. I'm in the middle of the first one, so I'm looking forward to the others. Okay, lovely. Thank you very much indeed. Right, guys. Yep. I guess we say it's you now. Yep. Bye-bye. Lovely to see you both. It really was. Wonderful. It was fun. It was wonderful talking to you. We'll have a nice afternoon. Bye. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye. 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 The Chattering Teacup and I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did making it. And we'll meet again at Book Lovers Companion.